Good morning again. I think, well, I believe that what I'm supposed to share with you today is about helping us think about what we should look like as we are following Jesus. Tim come up with that really cool graphic. I like that. My question for you is, since we are followers of Jesus, what should our lives look like? Let's pray. Father God, I just come again uh, praising you. Thanking you for uh, your love for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you did it. Thank you for this place. Thank you for these, this group of people that live under the banner of North Point Church, but more importantly, under the banner of Jesus Christ. Father, I ask you to open minds and hearts as we look at your word. And Father, I got the microphone and Holy Spirit, you know that ain't my thing, and I, I'm just Counting on you to help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, uh, I want to put my disclaimer right out front. Uh, I'll tell you how I got to be standing here. I was at a regular Wednesday morning elders meeting back in early October. And we were talking about whatever we were talking about and Jim looked at me and he said oh you're speaking and you're speaking it's your turn <laughs> that was the whole conversation I mean we were we were done I said oh, oh okay oh so, the whole month goes by and uh, towards the end of October, I said, we were at an elders meeting, and I said, were you serious about me speaking? He said, well, Tate's got November, and you got December, and I already told you that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> which he hadn't told me that, but, you know, I said, yeah, yeah, okay, I forgot. He said, December the 8th is your day. I said, okay. And so then I thought, well, uh, That'd make it easy because uh, it's coming up on Christmas and there's a whole lot of Christmas story there, but that's just not where this went. Um, so sorry about that. Uh, but we can agree that I think that I'm not a preacher. <laughs> I, I'm not much of an experienced public speaker. Um, I've never really had it as a personal goal of mine that I'd be responsible for bringing a message at North Point Church on Sunday morning. <laughs> There's a lot of things that covers I'm not. So let me tell you what I am. If you don't know my name, I am David Hawkins. I am the son of Kenneth and Joanne Hawkins. I am the wife of Tammany Hawkins. <laughs> I mean the husband. I'm a little nervous, y'all give me that. The husband of Tammany Hawkman, she's the most awesome preschool teacher you'll ever meet, in case you don't know. 
I am a father to two beautiful godly women, Mallory and Courtney, and Courtney's here today. I am uh, one of your elders at North Point Church. I am a really good friend and a fervent supporter of Jim Pinkery. I'm a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am loved. I am royalty. I am valuable. I am free. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit of the Most High God. I am powerful this morning and every day of my life. And I am holy. If you don't have this little reminder card that Tim, I mean Tate, passed out. Tim made it. Tate tried. When Tate spoke in November, you need to ask for one because this is a cool reminder card. She's pointing at something. I don't know what she wants me to do. She's got them back there on the thing. So if you want one, get one on Yeah. Get two because you're supposed to have a spare because the goal is to share the card when the Holy Spirit leads you. So that's who I am now back to the task because it is my turn. So, the word today comes from a familiar place. It comes from the 12th chapter of Romans. And I know there's been thousands of great messages preached from the 12th chapter of Romans. And there's a lot of stuff there. And I'm not going into a lot of detail on all these verses. I'm just going to share with you what I think the Holy Spirit wants me to share with you today. And yes, I'm reading the entire 12th chapter of Romans. Because I believe that God's word can speak to you much better than David Hoffman. And if you disagree with my conclusions, if you disagree with my theology, if you disagree with anything I say today, it's not going to bother me at all. <laughs> because as I said, I know who I am. And I know who my Redeemer is. So in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit used Paul. Paul was a very well-educated Jewish man. And the Holy Spirit used him to lay out in very logical fashion, in sort of theological terms, in chapters 1 through 11 of Romans, the doctrine of being justified by grace through faith. It's right there, 1 through 11 in Romans. You can read it. Romans 12, in the middle of the book, is sort of the pivot point. In Romans 12... Through 15, the Holy Spirit used Paul to explain what our lives should look like once we have accepted the message of Romans 1 through 11. Since we have been justified by grace through faith, how should we live? Look with me in uh, Romans 12 at what the Bible says. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, we're going to pause right here and notice who is Paul talking to? Romans chapter 12 does not apply to you if you have not personally experienced God's mercy. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today will be a great day to make decisions. In the 15th chapter of Corinthians, Paul laid out in a very few verses the gospel, as we call it. Jesus Christ came to earth. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ was dead and buried. Jesus Christ was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And Jesus Christ appeared to hundreds of people after he rose from the grave. The scripture says everyone who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. So you can make that decision today. And if you make that decision today, you receive eternal life in Jesus Christ today. And you receive the power to live according to Romans chapter 12. Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you would be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there it is. God changes the way I think. It is a matter of the mind. We've heard a series of messages from Jim and from guest speakers of our gang here at North Point lately with a common theme. God changes our identity. This change in our identity, we are new creatures in Jesus Christ. This change in our identity should change our mind. We must let God's word permeate our lives. We say, well, I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed, but I don't know how to do this. The answer is here, by the renewing of your mind. We cannot live a life of faith based on feelings. We cannot live a life of faith based on doing. We don't need to focus on, oh my goodness, how do I feel today? Oh, how do I feel about my wife today? 
Oh, I got to go to work again. How do I feel about my job today? Oh, how do I feel about North Point Church worship today? A life based on feelings will never know the transforming power of Jesus Christ because it ignores the renewing of the mind. We also can't base our life of faith on doing. Now, I'm not dissing Tate. That was a really cool formula he had the other week. But we can't just say, tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it, and then I'll be good. Just give me the formula to get to heaven, and I'm good. There's not one. Life of doing will never know the transforming power of Jesus Christ. It ignores the renewing of the mind. Now, God is not against feeling and doing. God created us with feelings. It is part of who we are. God is a God of powerful, passionate feelings. Read some psalms. Read some scripture here. God has passionate feelings. And God commands us to be doers. Now, if you know me, you know you were going to hear this. In James chapter 1, verse 22, my Bible says, do not. Merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So we must be careful to not live in deception. Feelings and doing are completely insufficient foundations for a Christian life. Our questions cannot be, how do I feel? What should I do? Rather, our question must be, what is true here? The answer to what is true here comes from one source. What does God's word say? Allow me to use an analogy to make a couple of points. Several weeks ago, I went to the dentist. And so it was a regular cleaning. And I sat in the chair and they did their thing. And then the technician says, well, Dave, you got the beginnings of this thing called gingivitis. Well, I'm not going to explain to you what that is, but you don't want it, okay? <laughs> uh, she said, you just got the beginnings. So, Dave, have you been flossing your teeth every day? Now, what do you think the answer to that question was? <laughs> that got me to thinking as I was thinking about this. Reading God's word is a lot like flossing. <laughs> Everyone knows you should do it every day. But then we say, oh, I don't have time to do that. I'll do it tomorrow. 
See, flossing cleans your teeth every day. If you do it every day. Reading God's word is a way of cleaning the garbage out of your mind every day. We need to do it on a daily basis. And just like Flossen, we can't count on the fact that we've done it in the past. Every day we eat, we put stuff in our mouth. It gets nasty. It needs a little cleaning. That's how you floss, and you floss it. We live in a world, and we're part of the world. I'm not personally a citizen of this world. I'm just passing through, but I'm here. And so every day I come into contact with, and, and I'll just go ahead and admit I have bad ideas, bad attitudes, and I take bad actions every day. Reading, studying, studying, and meditating on God's Word is how we flush all this stuff out of our brains before it causes spiritual decay. We must be prepared to go into the world. And we must do it every day. God's Word is our source for being prepared. It is the only reliable source for a Christian to be prepared for the world. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is active and alive. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let me stay with this analogy a little bit longer. If I hadn't stood up here and told all y'all I got this gingivitis thing, you wouldn't know. I can keep it hidden. It's the same way with spiritual decay and laziness. We can hide it a long time. We don't have to do anything about it. We can even pretend it doesn't exist. But sooner or later, if we continue to ignore the spiritual disciplines, everything will collapse. And you know what will happen? We'll say, what just happened to me right here? Because we want to say it was an event. Well, I'm telling you, your collapse is not an event. It's a process. And it happens over time. Our study of God's Word must be personal. It is evolutionary based on what based on our level of obedience 
See, while I was thinking about this day, I might have been doing a little extra reading, I don't know. And uh, I came across this sentence. And I don't remember who wrote it. I should have wrote that down at the time. But the sentence just grabbed me. And I'm going to be smoking on this one a while. So here it is. The will of God is thwarted by educating people beyond their level of obedience. Now, the first thing that grabbed me is there's a word you don't hear or use very often, thwarted. So I looked that word up. I said, what are some synonyms for thwarted? I found words like hindered impeded, slowed down. See, you can't stop the will of God. But, let me read it again. The will of God is thwarted by educating people beyond their level of obedience. Just think about that. See, what we are, we are a people who are obsessed with educating ourselves way beyond our level of obedience. We go from Bible study to Bible study. We go from Bible plan to Bible plan. Get another one, get another one, check it off. Get some points, get a badge. Educating ourselves. Now, I love my technology. Take, turn me on to technology. It changed my life. If you ain't got your, the Bible on your phone, you're wasting your phone. And I got some cool apps I can show you for learning to memorize in the Bible. So I'm not against technology. But we go from plan to plan trying to figure out what does this all mean? And you're just wandering and we're confused. What we miss is just read the verse. Just the one verse. And do what it says. Then the next time you read a verse, you're going to get a whole lot more out of the next one because you were obedient. See, Jesus talked about this a bunch. In the, in the book of John, in chapter 13, verse 17, Jesus said, now that you know these things, after he'd been teaching, see, he said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then, very next chapter, 14, John 14, chapter 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commands. John 15, 10, Jesus said, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. You see, there is some repetition in Jesus' teaching. You know what that means? Pay attention. If Jesus is going to talk about it multiple times, it must be important. Okay, back to the verse, because remember, we're reading the whole chapter. Verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, such as each of us, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. 
we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Verses 3 through 8, Romans chapter 12. It's about a life of giftedness. There's your first blank. Giftedness. As Christians, our self-image is based on the fact that we have a new reason for living and we have been given a set of gifts with which we can serve God and others. And Paul summarized the gifts right here. And he indicates that when our lives are transformed by grace through faith, we become gifted people called to serve God in humble ways wherever we are, every moment in your life is an opportunity for service. One of our main goals here at North Point is to create an environment where God's people are free and encouraged to live out their service using the gifts they have been given. That's why new ministries develop. That's why ministries come and go. That's why we're always asking you to get up and do something. Followers of Jesus Christ use their giftedness to serve. It's not an option. Back to Romans 12 I'm going to get a little personal here. Verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Verses 9 through 13 are about a life of goodness. These verses are about our habits and attitudes being a follower of Jesus Christ means something in your life. It means turning from what is evil and clinging to what is good. It means loving other people, being devoted to one another. That goes beyond loving, being devoted to one another, honoring one another, practicing hospitality. You know what that says to me? If I got to practice it, don't go expecting it to be easy, okay? Practice hospitality. Let the goodness of Jesus Christ shine through you. People can amaze me. 
One of the things about people that amazes me is when they say, I just don't understand the Bible. Now, I, if you know me, am a logical thinker. And so when somebody says, I just don't understand the Bible, my mind goes to only one logical response. I got that. That means you don't read the Bible. Because if you can understand English and comprehend reading, this ain't hard. Now, we've built schools on how difficult this is to interpret. It's not. We got careers based on how difficult this is to interpret. It's not. See, we live in a world where we have instant, we expect instant responses. And I'm reading this verse, and, and I just got to share one story with you that I promise it's relevant to this verse, these verses, but it's about Liberia. And so, uh, if you know me at all, you know I've been blessed to go to Liberia several times with Orphan Aid Liberia. And I don't know why the Holy Spirit did that, but that's my badge and I'm going to wear it, okay? <laughs> and so um, we were in Liberia and we left one morning going to this orphanage. And uh, if you've been here long, you've probably seen a picture of places like this. You might have seen a picture of this very orphanage. You've got to remember, there is no infrastructure in this country. There is no running water. There is no electricity. There's not a lot of traffic in the places we go. And so if you've seen some slums in the United States, they probably look better than this place we went that day. And we pulled into the compound in a couple of trucks and the children come running out and the adults come running out and everybody's excited and it's just a good time. And so we hug the children. They come running out and some of them, you wouldn't really call it clothes. They just got a piece of something that they've had so, for so long you can't recognize it and they use it to cover themselves. So, I mean, this is not great living conditions. But we get out and the excitement's there and we begin to do the work we've been sent there to do. Part of that's a deworming station. So it takes a little while because you got a bunch of kids running around and uh, there's a few steps involved. You got to get all these little pills out and get everything ready. And there's candy to go with the pills because the pills taste nasty. Um, but they need these deworming pills because all of them do. Adults, Adam, kids, what's everybody. I don't know what that was. But uh, anyway, they need them because without them, they don't get much nutrition from the little food they get. But anyway, I'm getting distracted. What I didn't know while we was doing all this work is our leader, Darrell, he sent the drivers back to town. We didn't even notice they were gone. So we're working and a couple of hours goes by because it takes a while to go back to town. It's getting on up toward lunch and we hear trucks coming because like I said, there's not a lot of traffic. You know somebody's coming. So you can hear the trucks coming. And they pull into the compound and the trucks 
are overloaded with mattresses. Little mattresses, not even twins, they're little things. And the first kid sees this and they run out in the yard yelling. And so there's a lot of excitement here. The drivers get the trucks parked and they start the mattresses off the trucks. And the kids are running out and claiming one. Now they weren't claiming one for their own because there's not enough physical space for that. But this group of kids who sleep together would grab one mattress and take it and put it in their spot. Now I'm with mother. I think her name was Deborah. But I'm with mother inside and we're looking outside when this happens. And she begins to take all that in. And best way I can describe it, she just spontaneously erupted into a song and dance of praise to Jesus. And you, it's physically dangerous to be that close to a big Liberian woman when she gets that excited about Jesus. I thought she was going to squeeze the air out of my lungs. But she was excited. And so that excitement, it lasted the whole time we were there. We had lunch and, and the whole, went on into the afternoon. We stayed all day. That was our mission that day. And the excitement really didn't ever go away. And I'm sure, well, maybe, I don't know, I didn't ask. At some point in the afternoon, the mother probably took Daryl aside and thanked him for the mattress. But it didn't matter to Daryl. That's not what he was there for. But I sat with Mother, and we talked about this. And this woman, who had nothing to do with the conditions and where she lives that got these children in the condition they're in, this woman, who had answered a call and given literally her entire life to caring for these children, He had told me, she said, David, I have been praying for years. For years I've been praying that God would send somebody and that my children wouldn't have to sleep on the dirt. Now that's a pretty simple prayer. And she'd been praying it for years. And she looked at me and she said, today, my God used you and this team to answer that prayer. So today, we're just going to celebrate Jesus and his faithfulness. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about orphan aid. It was about faithfulness. See, that mother was joyful in hope patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And that one day forever changed my perspective on Romans 12, chapter, I mean, chapter 12, verse 12. Romans 12, 12. Let's get back to the verses. 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not 
be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Verses 14 through 21. It's about a life of graciousness. Y'all were looking? You heard me read them? These scriptures are not difficult to interpret. There's not any ambiguity here about what is expected. Jesus' followers should be easy to get along with. Pleasant. Gracious. Forgiving easily. Personable. There will be people who do not want to get along with you. But we are a gracious people. We do not get mad and stay mad. And we will not let a root of bitterness take hold in our lives because we have been offended. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, he begins unmolding us in the pattern of this world and transforming us by the renewing of our mind into the image of Jesus Christ. When we receive Jesus, we become people of giftedness, people of goodness, People of graciousness. The central issue is not how much we know about God, and it is not how much we know about God's Word. The central issue is how much we believe. Because what we truly believe determines what we think. And what we think determines how we act. So my challenge for you today is that you take a few minutes for a bit of reflection and thinking. That's the hard part, thinking. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You see, you have the power right now to read it and do what it says. Do the people 
you're going to interact with next week know this about you? Does your life give any indication that your mind has been renewed? And that you are taking every thought captive. See, Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do the people you meet and the people you interact with recognize the fruit? In you. Philippians 4.8, it says, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Is that the goal of your mind? Ephesians 4.29 tells us, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen now in today's world i don't think it's a big stretch that ephesians 4:29 could also say do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your thumbs. <laughs> so see, what does your texting look like? What does your posting on Facebook look like? Because this is your standard as a follower of Jesus Christ. It is not negotiable. It is not about what you know. It is about what you believe. It is about the transformation of your mind. See, we need to develop a culture in our circle of friends, in our circle of influence, where it's okay to ask a question. Let's go way back and say we're going to ask the question. Did you floss today because it's important to clean it up did you read God's word today and then we need to take it to the next level and go way beyond what accepted in our general circle of friends and say okay based on what I have seen in you today if you say you read God's word, you're missing the point because you did not do what it says. <laughs> so, as is a common ending around here, that's all I got about Romans chapter 12 right now. Today will be a great day if you haven't because it is the most important decision you face in your life the decision of whether or not you will accept jesus as your personal savior today would be a good day to do that if you need to do that if you do that today please tell somebody before you leave today would be a good day 
You've seen it. We've read it. You've heard it. The whole chapter 12 of Romans. Maybe something, one of these words spoke to you. And you need to ask forgiveness. Because you see, God's mercies are new every morning. And he is waiting on you to access the power of the Holy Spirit within you to enable you to read it and do what it says. Thank you.